0: This is episode number 85, The Art of Disagreement. Welcome to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast. I take the sting out of divorce. This is your host, Emily Sanchez. Hey everybody, how are you doing today? I hope you're doing so well. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you are here. I'm so glad that you're listening in. And I hope that you guys are... Getting something from the podcast, I'm hearing some wonderful comments and I've seen more reviews and I just want to say thank you, thank you so much. So today I'm going to talk about disagreements. Hmm, why is it so easy to disagree sometimes and so hard to disagree other times? we live in the most polarizing society and time of our lives, right? And you're probably tired of going onto social media because you see something you disagree with. And you're like, how could they think that way? Or it it just bothers you so badly that it's just way easier to block that person. You don't have to have their opinions in your life. And you can move on with your life, right? (laughs) So... What makes things easy to disagree with? Well, things that you don't see as mattering as much as other things. It's like, well, what's your favorite movie? Mine's The Princess Bride. Oh, mine's Star Wars. Oh, you're an idiot. How could you not think this one is better than that one or whatever? But it's not a big deal, right? And so those things, you know, what's your favorite food? I like Mexican food. Oh, you're crazy. I like Indian food. Oh, how could you love Indian food more than Mexican food? I don't know. I was raised there. Okay. You know, like some things are just easy to disagree about. But then you get into things that have a lot of more weight. They have more meaning. All right. Maybe things that are political, things that you feel will affect you in some way. So I was listening to Brooke Castillo talk about this. She is the head of the Life Coach School. And she said exactly that. The reason you're so affected by it is you believe it with your whole soul. And that it could be a moral issue. And that you see if you somehow let that person express their beliefs, that somehow you're allowing that into your belief system and maybe you might agree with it and that would be a terrible thing you you know you don't want it to affect your belief system because you believe that you're right and that with moral issues it might be evil you know we might have that concept we think that that is actually evil what that person is arguing about So, we don't even give them the space to be heard. We immediately just click block. You know, we are judging their beliefs because we just know that we're right and they're wrong. (laughs) And we don't take the time to think about their background, where they're from, why they have that belief, where it generated from. We just kind of wrap all that together. We see it as evil and we need to avoid evil at all costs and get far away from it. So we kind of judge those people for having those beliefs because they're wrong and we're right. So that is why it's so hard to conversate with someone or be with someone who doesn't share our same morals and our values because we would rather be right. Our brain would rather be right than happy think about that for a second (laughs) when we are wrong about something sometimes the brain it doesn't want it, it feels humiliated it wants to prove itself and so being right is a big big deal but guess what folks ready for a secret we can still be with someone Or associate with someone and disagree with them. We don't have to block them or shut them off or walk away or whatever else that we might find ourselves doing, me included. But we also don't have to agree with them either. All right, one other thing that she says about disagreements is while you're having a disagreement, many people cannot stay calm. And it's because of those deep-rooted moral issues, right? but she says to pay attention to the feelings that you're having from your thoughts while you're in this conversation. Now, the feelings are not caused by what they are saying. Your feelings are caused by what you're thinking about what they're saying. All right, so I want you to keep thinking about that as I talk about these other points. Your feelings are caused by the thoughts, your thoughts of what they are saying, not caused by what they're saying. (laughs) Now I'm starting to uh, confuse myself. I came across a conflict and resolution coach, like a debate coach, and her name is Julia Dar. She's from New Zealand. So she works in businesses to do just this, to resolve conflict, to have organized type of debates and she's also worked in parliament in new zealand and she's pretty cool when you start listening to her stuff so her whole mission is to help people disagree productively so she talks a lot about from the age of 10 she loved to argue and so her parents put her on these debate teams so she was on these debate teams all through junior high and high school and it felt so natural for her to argue against the presenter. So it's a very organized thing, you know, where the, the debate teams have their points and there's a presenter and then there is the rebuttal and then there's the response to the rebuttal and so forth. So she found that natural that when the presenter presented his or her um, subject, that she just just could go back in there with a rebuttal. She had no problem arguing against them and making all these points. But then when it was her turn to be the presenter and become argued against, she felt terrible. And she wanted to go to extremes. and She wanted to fight back like that. But what she started to find worked the best and helped her to be the debate champion three years in a row, was to find common ground. So she would start by finding common ground. So she realized it wasn't going to the extremes of the argument on the other side. That wasn't it at all. It was finding common ground. And then another point that she made is you have to separate the ideas that are being argued from the identity of the person making the argument i'm going to say that again you have to separate the ideas from the identity of the person making the argument so you want to get the ideas separate from the deliverer from the person so the best clearest least personal version of those ideas being presented is what you want to focus on Now, I love this because I deal with a lot of people who have problems communicating with their ex-spouse. And so when you can take the identity out of the ex and just look at what is being disagreed upon, what's being argued, what is the idea? Can you guys get to the heart of it That really helps, but I know it's hard. It's hard because we have the built-in prejudices, we have the built-in judgments, whoever it might be towards that person with the idea. Hey, maybe they're a Democrat, Republican, maybe you feel like they're uneducated, or like I said before, they're the ex-husband who never follows through and you know all these things, these horrible things about this person. So this can really transform the argument. This can really transform your emotions because it can help separate the emotions as you try to separate the person and look into what is the idea, what is the actual argument and how you can dissect that. So I really feel like it can transform it by debating ideas over identity. So that's step two. So step one, she said, start by finding common ground. Now in the ex-spouse situation, a lot of times the common ground can be the love that you share with the kids and their best interests. And you can keep going back to that and keep going back to that. Then the number two is separating the ideas from the identity of the person making the argument. Now step three, she says, open yourself up to being wrong. I love that. That's the humility. Humility. We've been so attached to our ideas in this society, especially right now. Like I said before, we're right, right? We've, we are right. We've believed this since we were little. We know that this is the right way and there can't be any other way of looking at it. So we, we connect our ideas into our identity. Like these ideas are, are in us and we are in them. It's so attached. So try really hard to open yourself up to say, hey, maybe I am wrong. And when you have that attitude, it's a lot easier to just have a conversation. And so those are her three things. I'll state them again. Start by finding common ground. Number two, separate ideas from the identity of the person making the argument. And number three, open yourself up to being wrong. Now, when I thought first about disagreeing, I really think it comes down to just having a good and engaged conversation. But I feel like in society, it's so hard for us to have those conversations. So guess what I got for you guys? 10 steps to having a better conversation. Now this comes from an awesome book called We Need to Talk How to Have Conversations That Matter by Celeste Headley. Celeste Headley is a journalist. She's been on many morning shows with TV and she hosted a radio show. She's also the author of that book. Another cool thing about her, is she's an opera singer. She's a trained soprano, has a master's in uh, vocal. Um, so I, I think she's really, really cool. And if you don't have time to read that whole book, which I suggest, she does have a TED Talk where she expounds on these 10 things. But I really like her because she's so to the point. And I believe that just having a good conversation is the answer to being able to disagree and being okay with it. So she starts with number one, don't multitask, be present. And she says, this is more than just putting down your phone. This is truly engaging. This is being In the moment. This is focusing your eyes and your head and everything towards the person. It's that simple. Just don't multitask. Stop what you're doing and listen to this person. Number two, don't pontificate. She says enter every conversation assuming you have something to learn. Huh. The famed therapist M. Scott Peck said, True listening requires a setting aside of oneself. Sometimes that means setting aside your personal opinion. That's very hard to do in our day and age. Um, He also said, Sensing this acceptance, the speaker will feel less and less vulnerable and more and more inclined to open up the inner recesses of his or her mind to the listener. Now, what does that mean? When you aren't pontificating and aren't sharing your opinion the whole time, but opening up to the presenter, you're actually helping them to become more vulnerable. So in turn, they will feel more safe and validated, and then you will be able to share your opinion at some point. Maybe not right then, but it helps. Bill Nye, the science guy, he says, everyone you will ever meet knows something you don't. Huh. I think that we're really used to being little know-it-alls, aren't we? (laughs) Me included. And so just humbling ourselves to not have to share an opinion all the time and wait for the appropriate time, I think is a really big key. So that was number two. Number three, use open-ended questions who, what, when, where, and why, like a journalist. So if you have the close-ended questions that end in a yes or no, you're really not going to conversate and you're not going to get to any type of a point. I think of my conversations with my kids and I could really do better at this, offering more open-ended questions. Number four, go with the flow. Now, I really like this one this is what I need to work on (laughs) with my disagreements or conversations in general, is what that means is thoughts are going to come into your mind, right? But we've got to let them come and then let them go. You know, as people are talking, you'll start thinking of your next question and you'll just... Concentrate on that, or you'll something they will say will remind you of something you want to tell them. You'll be like, Oh, one time I was in a coffee shop and met this person, or, or whatever, and you will stop listening to what they're saying and you'll just be concentrating on what you want to say right so really in a a good conversation she says to go with the flow and don't get stuck on what you're going to want to say next but just go with what is being presented at that time number five if you don't know say that you don't know make sure that your words mean something and that you're not just barreling off facts that you don't even know Are true. Number six, don't equate your experience with theirs. It's not the same. So, what she means is someone comes to you and says, My grandma just died. Don't all of a sudden just say, You know what? My aunt died and it was so hard. Yes, it's cool to relate, but don't try to equate your experience. Don't insert yourself inside their pain it's not about you what they need from you in that type of moment is for you to listen and to not try to talk about the time when you had a similar pain it's not the same number seven is interesting she says try not to repeat yourself huh (laughs) you guys I do this all the time especially with my kids I will rephrase it or I'll think of like a different way to say it like somehow they didn't get it she says you have to be careful of this because it's condescending and it's just annoying (laughs) so I do this with my kids and with my husband I'm sure because I'm thinking that they're not getting it no they're getting it don't repeat yourself that's it I needed that one. Okay number eight stay out of the weeds. What she means by this is you know when you're trying to think of the the people and the names and the dates and all those details of what you're trying to say. Oh in 1610 this uh English king did this and this is why. No. She says nobody cares about that. What they care about is you or maybe in a disagreement with your ex maybe they care about the kids so stay on point don't worry about all of that fluff number nine and she says this is the most important from the list it is listen the buddha said and i'm paraphrasing if your mouth is open you're not learning hmm calvin coolidge said no man ever listened his way out of a job so (laughs) Why don't we listen? It's simple, we'd rather talk. So because when we're talking, we have all the control, right? And we get to have the attention, we get to boost our ego or whatever it is. Um, she made an interesting point, is another reason is we get distracted. People can talk at about 225 words of a minute, but we can listen at about 500 words a minute. So when someone is talking, we can actually pay attention to a lot of other things. So we're filling in those extra 275 words with thoughts in our brain, or whatever. So we just naturally get distracted. Stephen R. Covey said, most of us don't listen with the intent to understand. We listen with the intent to reply. Oh, man, I needed to hear that. It is so true, especially with someone where there are heated debates and heated feelings. We don't wanna listen, (laughs) we don't. But remember what I said before, take the identity out of it. Listen to the idea of what's being presented. That will help the emotional side of it. Then number 10, oh, I like this one too. Be brief. A good conversation is like a mini skirt short enough to retain interest, but long enough to cover the subject. That quote was from her sister. I thought that was funny. But be brief. There's really something to it. People lose interest. <laughs> and then a lot of times if you have this drawn out conversation where there's a little some disagreement, or maybe something uncomfortable, they don't want to do it again, (laughs) the brain will say that was miserable. I don't want to do that again. So keep that in mind, keep it brief, so it can be sweet and to the point. All right. But all in all, you guys, I think what I took away from what I studied on this topic is just to be interested in other people. Let's see what they know. Let's take our prejudices down or the things that we do know. Let's bury them for a little bit and just listen to the idea. Let's get fascinated by different topics. Even if we think that they're bogus, let's just be like, wow, tell me all about that. And if we were to do that, man, we could grow in strides. We could come together we could be more free in our lives and in turn get a little bit of what we want too. I promise you as you kind of let that guard down and listen intently and with genuine interest with that love um, from God because sometimes it is not from ourselves right but when we can humble ourselves and we can listen and then they feel validated in turn you will be able to have that turn to express what you want in more of a calm way. And that's, that's the only way it's going to get done because extremes do not win. People will just want shut, to shut it off or block you out or you'll want to walk away. So let's try to get to that side of being validated and interested and workable. We can do it. All right, everybody. I hope that you have a great one make it what you want. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today. Come on over and visit me at coachemilysanchez.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, make it a great day.